FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 467, take two of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Something Old Venable, and I'm joined by the wonderful Grant. I'm too sexy for my podcast, Richter. Hey, Grant. Hello. I'm too sexy for my, but I'm not too sexy for your podcast, because your <laughs> podcast is mucho sexy. There. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a uh, flashback episode, and we're going to talk about the ex-wedding of the last century between Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Um, of course, before we can get to the wedding, every wedding needs a good bachelor party, and we may or may not have gotten that, but we definitely have an issue. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 310 and the shebang in X-Men 30, um, and then we'll also kind of have a side conversation about the X-Men wedding album. Uh, which also came out right at the beginning of 94. So that's what we're going to cover. We're going to have some wedding bells and all that fun stuff. And, of course, um, I wanted Grant on because, hey, I just always love to have Grant on. And you should definitely listen to him at the uh, Truth and Justice Justice and Hope. (laughs) Yep. Hey, so, and I apologize. I'm a couple episodes behind. Um, We've been been packing up the house. so you may have already addressed this, but I did mention um, a couple episodes ago, uh, I, I was talking about you, because I like to talk about you a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and um, I was wondering... I like to talk about me, too. <laughs> Yay! It's, it's a match made in heaven. Um, <laughs> but I was kind of thinking, because I often get the the order of your podcast mixed up, mm-hmm. like the order the words go in. Right. But I really like the fact that it ends on hope and i was just wondering if that was intentional like kind of no matter what we have with truth and justice it all leads to hope or right. that's kind of the random order that it fell in no it, it it's a take on the the old truth justice and american way from uh-huh. the old like 1950s superman show yeah and then before uh tom taylor changed it to truth justice and better tomorrow i was like well the American way can mean so many different things to so many uh-huh. different people, but to me, Superman is about hope, so I just substituted that out. So, truth, justice, and, and hope. That's awesome, and also very much in step with Tom Taylor's change, because, I mean, hope and better tomorrow are kind of synonymous, so you were really? like, Felt like in I was the, the curve on that. Yeah, one. right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so guys, you should definitely check out Grant there if you're not already. But the secondary reason I wanted to have Grant on is because before he had the awesome show he has about Superman, he had an also awesome show about Cable. And Cable plays kind of a key role in the first issue we're going to talk about. So when I was thinking of who who should come on for this this couple of issues, I was like, it's got to be Grant. So yeah. glad we could work it out. Yeah, I'm not as in love with Cable as I was a couple of years ago, <laughs> but I think I know – I think – Next to Fabian Nicieza, I think by now I know more about Cable than anybody else on the planet. The Cable Wiki, right yeah. here. I'm I am the Cable Guide. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. So I mean, I was trying to think about like where I was because this is right at the tail end of my first run of collecting comics, um, mm-hmm. and I remember. 
the wedding issue being a pretty big deal. I remember I kind of already had one foot out the door mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. So I kind of had like a mixed recollection of it. Like I, I remember like it being hyped and I remember being mm-hmm. a big deal, but I didn't really remember what happened in it. I knew I'd read it. Right. Cause I think I went through like third, I think 33 or 34 was like my, the official last thing I bought off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know I read it when it came out, but I really couldn't remember anything about it. Um, so it was fun to kind of catch back up with it. It was actually, well, we'll get there. We'll get to what we think about it when we get to it. But um, yeah, do you have any, did you, were you reading these? I, I wasn't time? reading any, I wasn't reading anything in the first half of 94 because I'd just been dating okay. my now wife for about two months. Okay. I was, you know, deeply enthralled in the bliss of love and, right. and just didn't, didn't hit the LCS for about six months. So right. I think okay. I think after I think the the first comics I read in ninety four was probably Age of Apocalypse. So there's a oh, bit of a gap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Well then yeah, I think we should just go ahead and and jump in and get our get our opinions in order. So um yeah. Grant's gonna start us off with Uncanny X Men number three ten. Yeah. And it is written by Scott Lobdell with art by John Romita Jr. and <clears throat> Dan Green. <laughs> with uh, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, colored by Steve Bucciolato, and of course edited by Bob Harris. The cover is of Cyclops in his 90s duds and Cable in a giant life raft of a vest, <laughs> um, blasting the executioner who's too poor to afford that extra E. Uh-huh. So it's just executioner, <laughs> and Cyclops is firing his uh, his optic blast, and Cable is shooting a laser blast out of a wrist cannon, which was very much a JRJR <laughs> thing with Cable because yeah. they hadn't quite established how his cybernetics worked at the time, and there's no right. real background. It's just exploding speed lines, and the executioner is holding a um a staff of some kind right yeah no jrjr definitely he really leaned into like super fancy robotics on cable he did that yeah. in, the, in the miniseries the blood and metal yeah yeah and then he always he had, had like yeah, gadgets probably like the inspector gadget <laughs> of the x-men line go go gadget and sit wrist incinerator right <laughs> but, um, that's awesome and all i can say is it doesn't happen in the comic, but if this were to happen, the executioner would be dead because they're oh, shooting him sure. in the face. Right, right. <laughs> like optic blast and laser cannon to the <laughs> <Yeah>. face. <laughs> but it's it a pretty good cover. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's yeah, not too bad. bad. And you know, of, this is this is the JRJR that I like. Um, it's I don't know. I know opinions vary about his work in this era, but I I right. like whenever he does cable, it always turns out pretty good in this era. So yeah, I like you know I like him giving cable. I guess it's probably more nineties, but having letting him actually have some hair with some mm-hmm. personality <laughs> like yeah. is, is a good thing. So yeah, yeah, so it's good. All stuff. right. So what, we what open up. This one? Oh, sorry. Okay, so we open up with uh, Cyclops and Banshee running through the doors of the mansion, with Banshee somehow screaming and flying and talking all at the same time. 
uh-huh. which I know is a pet peeve of yours. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is of mine, too. I, I don't know how there are word balloons and a long string of E's all coming out of his mouth at the same time. But there is an intruder alarm of some kind, and they are running into the danger room where they see a hologram partic- uh, portraying Cyclops giving baby Nathan to uh, sister Ascani, and um, JRJR is doing his best uh, impersonation of Bulls Portacio. Yeah, in this, for sure. Especially with the way he does Ascani's hair. <laughs> yeah. And I want I want to double back to Ascani when we get to the end of this. Um, but Cyclops gets so mad that he shoots the wall of the danger room to shut down the program. And that is when he realizes that Cable's there and Cable's the one that set the program. And we have Cable come out and he's wearing what look like a pair of skin tight blue jeans over a pair of Captain Britain boots <laughs> and a black T-shirt and like this giant shoulder pads that literally cover his entire chest. And I like this look because I, I mentioned this on my old show that I like it whenever one of the looks of one of Cable's action figures appears. And this is the look of the first Cable action figure I had, which oh, was okay. like Jetpack Cable or something like that. Yeah, it's the rare sleeveless turtleneck. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty good. And I, I like that Cable has like a lot of hair in, in this yes. era. Because when Liefeld do, did him, he had like old man hair. And here he has like just white lush hair. Just right. Looks like Magneto hair. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And this is a this is a really good depiction of Cyclops by J.R. J.R. too. It reminds me of his old like early '80s stuff that he did, mm-hmm. um, with the the kind of the reflection off of the glasses and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that has the Iliopolis's colors too, or or um, not Iliopolis, but uh, uh, Buccellato. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, Cable set this program because he wants to talk, but he also kind of wants to remind Cyclops that he's butthurt that Cyclops gave him away as a baby. Mm-hmm. So we, we jump from there over to Harry's hideaway in Greenwich Village, where um, where Archangel is a, planning a stealth sabotage of the wedding. <laughs> By thinking of, uh, what could I say? Does anyone have objections? No, never mind. And then him and the two other two other blue guys are standing on one panel <laughs> and they're having a beer. And uh, Bishop yeah, is being crew. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Bishop is being future awkward because he's from the future and says very awkward things. Um, and Bobby says, "Shut up." So we go <laughs> back to the mansion, and um, the executioner is breaking into the mansion um, for reasons because he wants to kill mutants and he's got all this fancy tech that lets him sneak into the mansion and he he actually expositions his own name in his thought bubbles <laughs> just in case you didn't know who he was because you right. probably didn't um unless you were reading that uh that, that one, one annual. annual that he yeah. was in before this so we go back to the danger room and cyclops and cable are having a face-off about i'm mad at you well i did what i had to do and then we go back to Harry's hideaway, and uh, Gambit is going up to different members of the <laughs> bachelor party, uh, asking them, if, boy, they think it's weird that the professor's taken in that saber tooth, huh? Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's real nervous about, yeah. Yeah. about uh, Sabretooth being there, because Sabretooth, Sabretooth knows some stuff about him. 
Uh, from there, we go to Sabretooth Cell, and we get an awesome Sabretooth. Very, very hirsute Sabretooth yeah. uh, with lots of hair and, and big old claws and stuff. I, are, how do you like that level of claws on him? Is that just right, or are those too long? That is just about perfect, yeah. Yep, I yep. thought so, too. That's pretty good. But, um, so back in the danger room, they're still still having some angry talk, and Cyclops pulls up this hologram of when he first, uh, after their mission, where they had to send baby Nathan to the future, and how angry Cyclops was about it. And again, he was so angry that he shot the danger room with his optic. <laughs> a, a running theme for him. I know. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> he's just like, he has anger control issues or he's just like that angry drunk that punches the drywall. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, Sabretooth does a jump scare holographic projection. <laughs> I don't know why he's in midair, but he's in mid jump. when he projected himself to said, you know, Hey y'all, there, uh, there's an intruder, and I can smell him. Because <laughs> to me, Sabretooth always sounds like he has a southern accent. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Sounds because like, he's a redneck. So, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't mean to say everyone with a southern accent is a redneck. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I'm just stepping all over my tongue tonight. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, and then more stuff at the bar where Banshee is showing up, and he's going to buy the next round, and. Bobby jokes that, uh, you know, he's he's never seen Cyclops relax before. And then the executioner, he's, the whole reason he broke into the mansion was to kill Emma Frost, who was in a coma after the whole thing with uh, Trevor Fitzroy and then trying to take over. Is this before she took over Bobby's body or after? Before. Okay, so that, that hasn't happened with Bobby's body yet, but it, it's still after she was put in a coma by Fitzroy. And then he gets a big old zacked as Cyclops shoots him with an optic blast, and then it's a father and son team up, and they fight, and apparently Executioner is able to piggyback off of Cable's uh, body slide technology. <laughs> then, sure. Yeah, sounds, <laughs> sounds like a thing. But then Cable picks up like there's this huge thing of technology and just scrunks him over the head with it, <laughs> which I think is fun. And then they they do the scene from the cover where they they team up blast him again with the wrist cannon and the optic blast. It's just that Cyclops is just taking off his glasses and he's in street clothes mm-hmm. and they shoot him in the chest and then he body slides away. And then after we're after they're done, uh, Cable says, well, I'm not really, really mad at you because I know you did what you had to do. <laughs> But I just wanted to know that that you were as mad about it as I was when I was a kid. But then there is a something I thought was really cool, um, which is on page 19 of the digital, where uh, Cable says that when he was in the future, he was raised by a couple whose names he can't remember. Mm -hmm. In one of them, in the in the man of the couple, kind of reminds him of Cyclops, which is a which is a call forward. To yeah. the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which hasn't happened yet. Oh, it's right about to, though. Yeah, right about to, right after the wedding. And then he body slides away, but when, uh, and he body slides Cyclops to the bachelor party, <laughs> and Cyclops pulls out a crumpled invitation that he had given to Cable, and Cable has written on, on there with magic marker, I'll be there. I'll be there. Right. And so Cyclops is happy that his son will be at his wedding. The end. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so I know you joked um, before we started recording that your synopsis was mm-hmm. only like two sentences long, so we were mm-hmm. just going to kind of walk through it. But while I agree it's kind of light on like plot and action, there's there's quite a bit to chew on in this Yeah, one. there's a lot of minutia in this. It's just yeah. Just... <laughs> so um, I don't know what kind of key points you wanted to hit, but I know um, – one of the things I noticed that, you know, while I said out loud, I'm really disappointed uh, Cable wasn't um, pulled down the aisle uh, in a wagon with the ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He actually, he even jokes about that. What, you want me to carry the ring? Right, right. <laughs> Which would be really funny. Right. And Scotty Young can do that perfectly. I just oh, have yeah. a, a baby For Cable sure. in a little baby wagon with the rings. That'd be pretty great. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, in honor of your appearance, because mm-hmm. you're you're Gambus Gumbo's biggest fan, right. um, and he is all kinds of like skeevy, nervous. He's got he the Axl Rose bandana on. He's smoking mm-hmm. his little cigarette. And he's like, "Hey, hey, don't you think uh, we should get Professor X to kick, kick Sabretooth out of the mansion? Um, yeah. Hey, hey, what do you think? Don't you think we should get like, to everyone?" And I think my favorite reaction is Archangel, who's like, "Hey, we all know that he's got some kind of dirt on you." Right now, you're an X-Man. You're doing pretty good. Either do something about it or don't, but quit talking about it. <laughs> right. He's, he's, I mean, and just the just the bandana itself, it just <laughs> almost looks like shortcut for I'm being a scumbag right now. Right. <laughs> right. All he need, all, like all he's not doing is talking about Rogue's butt or something. Right, right. Well, that was just a couple issues ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I definitely thought, I mean, for his one kind of scene, uh, it's interesting. It almost doesn't really fit him either because it's like, you know, he's been, he's just always so like cocky and self-assured, like for him to be like, hey guys, don't you think, you know, like almost like, like trying to manipulate everyone into like boycotting Sabretooth is, I don't know, it's just, it seems kind of weird, but I know they're building up a mystery. So. It, it makes sense to me because even though he's trying to be on the straight and narrow now, he knows that if everybody finds out about his past, or he's you know they might kick him out. So I can see you know right. someone who's still kind of in the gray area, kind of falling back on old tricks to try to cover their tracks. Like sure. That. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. See, that's why that's why you're the gambit gumbo uh, honorary vice president <laughs> in, in the cable corner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and yes. I know this is like a cable nerd minutia minute, but um, the scene with Ascani, and they refer to her as like Ascani's like her name, which mm-hmm. is what they were in when Claremont wrote the that arc of X Factor when um, when Cable gets into the future, her name was intended to be Ascani, and then later. Um, when Nisiesa picked it up and Lobdell picked it up, they said, well, no, Ascani is the name of the clan. So when they have her appear again in Cable series, they retcon it to say that because she had chosen to go back in time, knowing that she was going to die, she gave up her own name and just uh, identified herself as a sister of the of Ascani, of the clan Ascani. So that was just a a very ham-fisted retcon they had to do. (laughs) It's like, well, we want to do their own thing, but this one bit doesn't make sense. So let's say she just uses the clan as her name. (laughs) Right. That was it. Um, 
Yeah, I like, I like I said, I like that JRJR was trying to mimic uh, Portacio's uh, yeah. style. Because uh, even nice. his Cyclops, like in the X-Factor uniform, looks different than he does the rest of the issue. Like his build mm-hmm. is a little bit different. Yep. His facial structure is different. And it is like a definite, like also more, because at this point in his career, and you know, I know you talked about, you know, there are definite shifts in JRJR's career. Mm-hmm. And right now we get to what a, we're, what a lot of people refer to as like the blocky part yeah. of his career. Like everything's real kind of square and blocky. And of course, Protatio, I, I, I would argue Protatio probably still is, but for sure in the late 80s, early 90s, was super angular. Yeah. And so when he draws that scene, he makes it more like Cyclops is more angular. He has more... Mm-hmm. More almost triangles versus squares. Uh, if you look at the geometry of it all, so yeah, it's a it's a nice nod, and I think a pretty like kind of maybe professional, professionally artistically understated thing that he did there. That probably I don't know. I for sure when I was fourteen, fifteen, I didn't notice what he was doing, but <laughs> looking yeah. back on it now, it's like oh, it's really cool. Like that he took the time to do that. Yeah, I always thought like in comparison. The JRJR looked, all his characters looked like they were carved out of a block of wood, and Partacio's characters looked like they're, they're always made out of strips of metal. Yeah, Just yeah, the, or like everything is flared out like that, yeah. like, like how they do the hair in this. Or almost like crystalline, right? Or crystalline, yeah. however, whatever the right way to say that is, I guess, depending on what part of the country you're from. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, you know, you joked about uh, the saber tooth jump scare. Mm-hmm. And it's completely ridiculous, but for whatever reason, that one image that I used to—I like your—I like you calling it a jump scare. I always refer to it as like a scarecrow pose. Yeah. But, but that has been burned into my mind since 1994. Like, wow. And just that one image. Whenever I think of this era and I think of this issue, I'm like, oh yeah, the JRJR scare, scarecrow saber tooth. That's where that was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it just it just stuck in my mind really vividly, um, so it was, it was cool to kind of see it again. But um, yeah, and what's neat is when you see the 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 holographic conversation from Sabretooth, and it's like where he's he's down on the floor like he just landed in a crouch, uh-huh. so it's like he turned on the hologram, jumped on, <laughs> <and went>, gotcha. <laughs> okay, now we can talk. Right. Right. I do like um, the idea that like his nose <laughs> is better than any technology they have. Like that's kind of a cool little nod to like his powers. Yeah, um, cool. I, I you can maybe is. argue. Oh yeah, and I like a big saber tooth. I really yeah. do. So agreed. Uh, um, you talked about when they when he first zacks the executioner, which is probably one of the better panels of the book. Um, mm-hmm. And then I really enjoyed. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of like the sideways page, mm-hmm. but that page of Scott and Cyclops kind of coming together. Yeah, I it's just it's a good page. The art's good. The verbiage, like the script, is good. It's just it's a nice page. If you have the physical copy, yes, it was. It's in your copies. It like actually turn sideways where you have to yes like, it wow is. Yeah, you gotta flip the book oh, um, that would drive me crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was a very of this time now yeah. it's weird because it's only half a sp- or i guess it's it's a splash page but it's yeah. not it's a so sideways image page. image a did a lot where you had two pages together that you turned it sideways almost like a centerfold mm-hmm. it's kind of like half of that <laughs> yeah. 
but it reminds me of that Spider-Man X-Force crossover where they fight the Juggernaut, and both yes. books were completely sideways. Which there you go, of widescreen, yeah, yes. okay. landscape splash. <laughs> yeah, um, and you mentioned uh, kind of the foreshadowing of the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, which, by the way, I'm looking forward to reading for the first time. You it's know, a good up. read. I'm, yeah, I'll tell you now, it's a good read. Um, of course, they reference like directly the couple, but there's also one thing where he says, um, "Where have I heard that before?" What is? What is? And now I forgot what Cyclops said. Let me look at the page again. Um, it's page 27 on the physical copy. Where Cyclops said, uh, "Oh yeah." So Cyclops says, "The day we stop showing compassion for our enemy, Nathan, is the day we become the enemy." And and Cable goes, "The day we." What? Hmm. Where have I heard that before? And so I, I'm really curious to see if Cyclops actually says that in the script somewhere of Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. I feel like they're really, really getting ready for this. So who wrote that one? Is that a Lobdell gig? That, or- is, Lob- that is a surprisingly okay. good Lobdell. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So I, yeah. I actually, the first time I did a cable read-through, I, I skipped over it just because I'm not a Lobdell fan. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back and did it, um when i was doing the podcast and i was just reading ahead i was like no i'm gonna give it a try it, it's good awesome well i'm really yeah. looking forward to it and yeah. he's definitely planting the seeds for that mm-hmm. for sure yeah. um so yeah so what do you think overall of kind of the because uh, we just had this is hot on the heels of the fathers and sons uh three-part arc and cable where they finally reveal and set up for sure that Cable yeah. is baby Nathan. Mm-hmm. And then now we kind of have him and Cyclops trying to um, reconcile a little bit. So what do you think of that whole kind of the portrayal of, of Cable like being mad and then not being so mad, but then them kind of coming together? Do you think it's a good, is it feel I, like a I good like payoff? Or? Yeah, okay. and I like it. Like I can, I can, I can, totally buy that that's what cable is feeling and i know it it would come across to some people as well we just need to show cable as angry and confrontational because that's who cable is but as someone who has a challenging relationship with their own parents you know and has worked past a lot of stuff sometimes you just want to know hey i was mad about this for a long time and i'm over it now but you need to know how mad I was for a long time. And I, right. I totally get that. That is a totally reasonable reaction to me. And that's one of my, this is, this is probably where we, what we're in right now in the cable ongoing series where you're at here is one of my favorite eras of cable where Nissi Aza is writing it and they're doing a lot of stuff with the relationship to the Summers family and sinister and apocalypse and all mm-hmm. that. And I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I, when it's Cable just on his own, yeah. But when it's Cable with a lot of family <laughs> connections, it's right. it's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was. A, it felt it felt pretty true, right? There's mm-hmm. definitely some writing tropes in there, but um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said for if there's going to be any true reconciliation, you have to say what you felt before. Yeah. If you don't feel it now, so that way the other person know, not only knows where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but they can understand like your journey to get to where they can be okay, right? right. And uh, yeah, I think I think it, it played really natural to me. I mean, I know mm-hmm. like the turnaround's kind of fast, 
as far as the script goes. Like, you know, right. he's, he's really angry and then he's not. And, you know, kind of take that in comic book stride. But um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the scripting here is, is pretty solid. I know, I know, you know, it's, it, you know, it's one thing to look at Lovedale now <laughs> yeah. and, and have feelings about kind of who he is or isn't. But, um, you know, I think this is a pretty well-written issue. Yeah, I agree. So, anything in the art overall? Overall, I I don't really have any problems with any of it. Um, I really like, and I don't know if this is so much Ramita or if this is Green or if this is the colorist, but one thing they consistently do is you can the glasses almost. Uh, I'm sorry, Cyclops's glasses almost to have a Kirby crackle to them uh-huh. in the in the lenses, like where it's not just red crystal it's red crystal with like something fierce you know right well behind behind it. yeah <laughs> and i think that's a really neat effect um like just as i'm flipping through it you know going back to what we were talking about him uh, mimicking pertasio's style when he's doing the second hologram where it's the aftermath of giving up the baby and cyclops being angry there's one panel where he's it's before he shoots his optic beam it's the panel right before that where he's got his yeah. mouth open and yelling that looks exactly like portacios and so it i'm does. really impressed with that like like um <laughs> in my superman read through oh one of my favorite artists is john bagdanov and one mm-hmm. of the things he does he can mimic another artist's style really well like when he does <laughs> when he does captain marvel it looks like golden age captain marvel when he there's a zero hour issue and he does all these different versions of Batman from different time periods. And it looks like the artist who drew that version of Batman. So I, I really think it's neat when an artist who has their own very well-established style can mimic for effect another artist style. Yeah, that's cool. That's where cool. they're not just locked in to this one thing that they've learned how to do, or it's like they, they've mastered <laughs> the craft where they can do any style, but they have their own, their own feel. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the specific era of John Romita. I think a couple of issues before this, he starts getting pretty rough. But this yeah. is a this is a better issue, I think, of of this little run. Um, you know, the only thing I'm not as big of a fan of is like some of just the faces, like in the talking scenes. But you know, here and over there. But I think overall, it's, it's pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. Right, cool. Any other? Any other comments on this one before we grade it? Mm, just flipping through it real quick just to see if there's anything. Um, I get that they wanted to have a bad guy that they could fight <laughs> and defeat easily. But just having just one of the biggest morts in all of <laughs> the, the X-Men rogues gallery show up is that feels like a missed opportunity. I feel like, right. you know, in the fathers and sons, arc of cable they had this thing where where strife was possessing cable's body and i've always felt that strife works better as like a psychic parasite kind of like malice right he does as a dr doom ripoff and it would have been neat if there had been like maybe he shows up and possesses Sabretooth, and they have to fight Sabretooth possessed by strife oh wow because that would have been more personal that would have been right. like you know here's my clone brother here's my clone of my son that's fighting one of our most dangerous enemies and we have to take him down together while still not killing this you know enemy that we've vowed to keep safe for the professor's sake that to me right. would have had a much bigger impact but 
They went with the executioner, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) To to play devil's advocate, I agree. Executioner is kind of lame. But does that almost serve the story a little better, that the bad guy is really just an empty target so you can focus on the relationship? That's true. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I think if yeah if, if it was about the fight, um, I think. But if it's about the relationship, yeah, you, you have a very very good point. Yeah, I just I just wonder like if it was something really kind of epic like that, if that would have been kind of the spotlight of the issue, or and yeah. maybe taking away some of the script. But I don't that, know. That's I mean, very it's, true. It's a different thought. Yeah, the the relationship bit would have gotten lost in the in the fighty fight. So yeah, that's a very good point. All right, cool. Well, um, Mr. Grant, what do you want to grade on Kenny X-Men 310? Mm, I think I'm going to go with a five on this one. I, I like okay. the art all around. I like the Cyclops cable relationship. Um, you know, like you said, the the just the quiet scenes in the bar, with the exception of Gambit, the faces <laughs> get kind of generic. Right. But other than that, it's 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 very very solid. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, five out of six claws for me as well. Um, okay. I think, you know, honestly, and I don't don't want to bag on this because I really did enjoy the art overall. Had this been more of a classic JRJR, I probably could have gone six. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. If it was like, you know, like, dare, like Daredevil JRJR. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that run is so mm-hmm. good. And the best thing by... 20 miles that Nascenti ever wrote. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'm, I'm not an Nascenti hater. I think she has other good stuff. But her Daredevil run is by, like, that's her opus. <laughs> yeah. it, it allowed her to be that kind of level of almost surrealism that uh-huh. she likes to do while right. still keeping it, you know, giving it enough supernatural for it to go, oh, okay. You know, that, right. that makes sense that that would be kind of surreal. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, like I said, we'll take a short detour to the X-Men wedding album. So this is Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, Something Blue and Gold, uh, <laughs> written by Scott Lobdell, penciled by early Ian Churchill, inked by Jason Minor, Randy Elliott, and Harry Condelario. That's never a good sign, re-inkers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> lettered by Dave Sharp and Jen Babcock, colored by Chris Mattis. And then... Um, an actual real designer designed the wedding dress for jeans, uh, Nicole Miller. And then uh, there's some other stuff. Um, a video segment written by Lobdell and Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Ken Lashley, Tom Lyle, Ron Garney, and Jay Lee. Wow. Inked by Scott Hanna. <laughs> and a whole bunch. Andrew Popoy, Bill Sienkiewicz, and Jay Lee. Colored by Pat Garrity and Chris Mattis. And covers by Richard Bennett. <laughs> There's a whole lot going on here. But um basically what this is at its crux is a story about Jubilee being bummed out that Wolverine's not gonna show up for the wedding. And you know, I kinda joked through the last couple episodes that this this run of X Men since um uh Fatal Attractions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I almost lost it there. Um, where Wolverine leaves, right? He loses Adam and he leaves the X Men. Man, these both X titles, like from that point forward for the next several issues, will not let you forget that Wolverine's still under the surface, right? Like he's still around, they're still talking about him every mission. And they're like, man, I wish Wolverine was here, or <laughs> yeah. I miss Wolverine. Um, but this actually plays such a cool effect because Jubilee's. 
um, very much just like I just bummed, and like she's kind of talking to Gene, and Gene's like, well, you know, he's doing what he has to do, and then you know she finds Gene's diary. That part I can kind of give or take, um, mm-hmm. but but the Jubilee part's pretty fun, and seeing her kind of transformation, and then t- she talks to Storm, kind of just gets okay with the wedding. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some there's some fun stuff in there, but then. The only other thing I really thought was like worth mentioning from kind of the excerpts or whatever was there's a J, the Jay Lee one is Hank McCoy with a, a Drax's saxophone and then Banshee uh, singing and he's literally melting the mic. And That's pretty funny. It's a pretty fun scene. Um, yeah. And so. I mean, other than that, there's not really just a whole lot to it, but the Jubilee part's pretty sweet. Um, so I wasn't really going to grade it. I know I told you you'd have to read it. So, <laughs> um, any, you, I know you said you'd read it before anything that just, you remember that just jumped out at you? Not really. Um, this is Churchill doing the pencils, right? Yes. Man, this is, I don't know. It doesn't I, look I like him. <laughs> no. Uh, there, there's a couple panels where you can kind of see it. Uh, maybe yeah. on like the third or fourth page, but he, it must be I don't know. I can't find the the credits on this, um, but that he must have a very very different inker than he well, has. He has, he has more than one. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah right. Well, yeah, and I talked about that. Um, so if you listened listeners to a few episodes ago where I talked about uh, that where Sabretooth comes to the mansion and there's that Uncanny X Men Annual 18 that Churchill mm-hmm. does, and I, I know people have lots of different opinions about Churchill, and I think. Jermaine to Grant's podcast have a lot of opinions on how he portrayed Supergirl, um, right. and I think there's some there's some validity to to criticizing the way he drew Supergirl, and we yeah. don't really need to get into that here. The, but the, uh, the early '90s or the early 2000s, yeah, Supergirl, yeah, yeah, I don't, the, yeah. and a lot of that has to do with Jeff Loeb too. So, too, um, yeah, true. Um, but regardless of what you think about his um, taste, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. I think almost universally you could could agree that when he comes into having a cleaner writer style, like Mm -hmm. that's where he works. And this is more just kind of, I don't know. It's it's a little bit looser, a little bit more house style um, Mm -hmm. and just doesn't quite work as well for me, but Um, yeah. It's like the first few pages. um, Those look kind of rough, especially the (laughs) Jean looks like she's, Thir- like maybe an emaciated 13 year old in some of them <laughs> right um, and like the there's a panel of of storm that looks not so great um mm-hmm. but the, you know like the story's fun I, I, yeah. you know, definitely big big props on the story um not you know if you've heard me before talk about this era of x-men you know i'm, I'm a big nissi as a fan uh in yeah. general um, so it's always cute. And, you know, some of the, the little flashbacks of Jean's um, like diary or whatever they're looking at is pretty, pretty neat. Um, and, I, and, like, and like you said, I like the the actual like fashion sketch that Nicole Miller did yeah. for Jean's dress. That's really cool. That I, cool. I watch I watch all those uh, like fashion design contest shows with more like Project Runway <laughs> with my wife. And nice. it's like, oh, neat. They're doing a fashion sketch. So. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, so that's that. I mean, I, I guess if I were to grade it, I would give it like 
you know, just kind of a solid three out of six claws. But um, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah I'd probably yeah I I probably would have otherwise gone with a four, but I think the the rust ink job kind of knocked it down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we did the bachelor party. Mm-hmm. We did the I don't I guess you call that the bridal shower. <laughs> um, and now we're ready for the wedding itself. In X Men Thirty, at last the wedding is Scott Summers and Jean Grey, and this is the ties that bind, uh, written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Andy Kubert, inks by Matt Ryan, Bill Oakley does the letters, Joe Rosas does the colors, and of course Harrison DeFalco on the editing team um we have a wraparound cover by andy kubert which is of the the kiss at the ceremony mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's fine i think scott and gene look great and then everything yeah. else looks like oh i gotta throw a whole lot of faces on here and i don't think that's a detriment necessarily or blame on andy kubert i just i don't know if there's a way he could have made that look really spectacular it's just a bunch of floating heads yeah. um <laughs> but he, he, scott it, and gene look fantastic you know, like the the background characters, they have they they get that facial flatness that Kubert does when he's rushed. Yes, yes, they do. And it's like clones with different hair colors and <laughs> slightly different skin hues sometimes. Oh, well, the uh, storm looks storm looks really good. Yeah, storm looks fine, and I yeah. and Jean's dad looks all right. Um, but yeah, no, Scott and Jean look wonderful. Not really. That's the focal point in the main part of the cover, anyway. So it, it's fine. Table's not in the group shot. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's he's between Leech and Warpath. I, you could just barely see like his. Oh his, yeah, yeah, his scar. Yeah. Yeah. His his star there. Right. Oh, him and Bishop are right next to each other. That's fun. Hmm. <laughs> A little time travel duo there. Right. Um, I like Artie sitting on the professor's wheelchair. That's that's cute. That is cute. I don't remember yeah. having any particular bond, but it is cute. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, in this one, speaking of Wolverine just being ever present, even when he's not, <laughs> um, Wolverine leaves Gene and Scott a letter. He's happy for them, but he can't be there. And, you know, maybe they should quit the X-Men, too. That's kind of the point of his letter is that they, they should get married, have their own life and leave the X-Men just like I did. <laughs> um and then in the, in the X-Men, the three of us can move into move into each other in Krakoa. <laughs> right, right. I got this place on the moon. Let me tell you about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you name it the Summer's House. If it makes right. you feel better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so in the bridal chamber, Storm helps Jean feel better about Logan's absence. And Jean and Rachel share a pretty sweet moment. Um, in the bachelor room, Xavier helps the boys uh, tie Scotty's bow tie and also helps alleviate Scott's nerves as well. Uh, Storm makes the wedding day weather perfect because, I mean, why wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. And then they get married. Yep. <laughs> uh, the first dance is won by U2, which is one of my favorite songs, so yay. Um, Sabretooth uh, considers crashing the wedding but gets a quick kick of the butt uh, off panel, followed by a carved message in the snow, because I guess they're outside of Storm's perfect weather bubble. Yeah. And the, the message says, don't even think about it. All that's missing is the bub. Um, but anyway, they realize it was Wolverine. He did come to glimpse the celebration after all, if even only from the outside. Um, mm-hmm. Side note for Grant, I wrote... <laughs> Let's see what I'm um, Val Cooper pretends not to see the still internationally wanted cable. So she's go. like, yep, 
I won't I won't turn you in. You weren't here. I didn't see you. Um, Rogue uses her flight powers to catch the bouquet. And Gambit uses his powers also to make sure no one else gets the gardener. Yeah. Um, so not to not to jam off our plot right away, but um I know it's forever away. But are they actually the next ex wedding outside of North Star? Mm, I, I think so. Yeah. Gets, no one really gets married in the X Men, so so I know it takes a long, long time. I think they they pay off on this uh, this yeah. promise here. Um, <laughs> um, in a very sweet scene, uh, Jean uses her TK to have a last dance with Xavier, um, more than he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, they're trying really hard to redeem Xavier, like the writers are really working right. on that. So so it's a pretty good scene. Um, and at the end of the night, Xavier is in a study. We see a very cryptic note from Moira that Cable may be the key to the legacy virus vaccine. And then Xavier finally also reads his letter from Logan and laughs because it says, Dear Chuck, lighten up your old pal Logan. <laughs> very funny. And that's kind of it. <laughs> kind of like the last one, you know, light on, light on events, but heavy on minutia. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on kind of emotionally. Um, I don't really have, like, a whole lot of notes. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on the art. I have a, okay. I um, Go for it. Okay. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's funny. On the, when you, on the very first page, after the, after the letter from, from Wolverine, Jean kind of looks like a warrior nun. Yeah, she <laughs> does. I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, every... A lot of the girls have these tiny, tiny, tiny mini dresses, including Rachel and Lorna, which uh-huh. is, you know, early 90s. You know, what are you going to do? You can't right. get around it. Um, and, and it's nice that that Jean and Rachel are starting to come to an accord. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, again, that's part of the the Summers family thing that I really, really like. And, right. You know, we're eventually going to get some kind of reconciliation between Cable and, and Rachel as well, but not for like, not till like the year 2000. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, that's like right when Rachel loses most of her, her badassness. Right. Um, uh, let's see. There's a, I, I don't know, on my copy, which is digital, which is page eight, uh, the really cute scene of Beast bounding through the mansion on his hands. Um, so he's kind of like leap running. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, let's see what else. Storm looks awesome in this one. Uh, especially oh, when she better is. Better than anybody else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Storm looks great. I love that dress. I like how they did her hair because it's like she shaved just a little bit of her hair to make her. To make her hairline extra high, to its where it's almost mohawky, but not right. quite. I yeah. love that. It's it's just too. a it's a little glam. It's a little punk. It's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, I, I, the scene where the where the priest or the minister or whatever they are, they're actually doing a hand binding when they're getting yeah. married. I thought that was really neat. I thought that, that was cool. cool. Um, and it's just how the the ribbons flying one way and parts of Jean's dress and the veil are kind of flowing off in like nineties folded cloth shadow <laughs> uh-huh. glass style is neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Let's see. How did Sabretooth get outside? That is a quite a great question. Yeah. Because he's been locked up in his little basement cell. Right. <laughs> and he's allowed so it's really weird because in the issue where not when he first is taken in, but when he's actually like establishes a living at the mm-hmm. mansion, Xavier talks about like, you know, I'm not gonna let you roam free, but I'm gonna I'll let you have like the simulation so you can at least like pretend like you're running around the mansion. But here I mean, the, the idea, because if we assume this is really Wolverine's foot here, and it mm-hmm. has to be, right? Um, then the assumption is that he has to be outside. So I guess the only thing you can maybe headcanon that everybody was so wrapped up in the wedding that they forgot to check on him, he somehow just got out. I don't know. It's, I don't know. And gave him new clothes. Right, right. But he's still in his manacles. He still yeah. has, which is funny because, so that's even the weirder part because. Mm-hmm. He's only given the well, see, they're inconsistent. I would say he's only given those when they take him out, but that's not necessarily true because when he's fighting Psylocke that time. Yeah, 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 he still has them on even in the in the mansion. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird. I think it's their way of shoehorning, like that Logan was there. Right. My head canon is you know it's a special occasion. We're gonna let you out. And we're going to give you a really long leash. And maybe there's like one of those, you know how like they have those electronic dog fences uh-huh. <laughs> where if you go past it, maybe there's like, a, maybe he's got like a thing that zaps him if he goes too far from the mansion, you know, maybe so. and they, you know, they had to have given him some clothes because in the last issue, he's wearing like a tattered tank top and a pair of ripped jeans. And now he's got on brown pants and boots and a purple coat and a cowboy hat. Yeah. Or like a, almost like a Confederate hat. Um, yeah. It's a good look. Yes, um, he looks cool. He looks like a like an old hunter or something. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Um, I think it's funny in the scene where all the boys are scrambling to get the garter that, that Cable's one of them, and he's like trying to, <laughs> and he's like pushing down Beast's head trying to get it. I was like, no, but okay. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that like Beast and and Archangel <laughs> and 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 Forge would be trying to get it. That's pretty funny, right? Um, those are pretty two pretty good well drawn pages. Um yeah. Rogue flying to get the guard or get the bouquet. Mm-hmm. Then the scene of Gambit where he actually had like he's spinning the guard around his finger and like the yeah. flames of his power all around him. And then the angle and like, the POV on that scene yeah. is just it's, it's like intense. he's doing a nightwing butt shot. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> it looks great. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. The the scene of Gene and the professor dancing is is very sweet. Yes, um, it is. And again, Storm down at the bottom looks great. And I stand by my theory that she shaved just a little bit of her head. Yeah, it know, looks to make her hair look sure. like that. Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, I like a girl with a partly shaped head. That's just. Um, I don't. I don't know if this is what they were maybe part of the original plan with the legacy virus, but it makes sense that. If the legacy virus originally came from Strife, that it would make sense that at least Cable would be a lead that you would follow. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't actually remember how. I, I mean, I remember who helps resolve it, but I don't remember exactly right. what the resolution to the legacy virus is. Um, I know it takes a long time to get mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Like 2000, I think, or end of 99. Uh, um, it's 2000 because the the person who helped solve it had a ponytail 
at the time that they helped <laughs> solve it. And that was after Claremont came back to the book and that person okay. and Cable both joined the X-Men. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My weird time stamps that I'm, I'm thinking. Right. Of. Okay. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's a really fun issue. It's a joyous issue. Um, you know, if you're invested in the characters, you know, it's a it's a cool wedding. It, mm-hmm. it makes sense that these would be the two that would get married and be kind of the almost become kind of like the patriarch and matriarch of the X Men, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it makes right. sense, especially where we are right now. Yes. Um, I mean, just. I don't know. It works really well. I mean, it is just kind of. I like, other than you know the potential saber tooth uh, misdeeds that he was maybe or maybe not planning. How serious mm-hmm. he was about that, I don't know. I mean, it really sticks out in contrast from. I mean, I'm trying to think of the two like major weddings before this, which were, you know, decades earlier. But the Fantastic Four and the Spider Man, there's always like villain drama intertwined with mm-hmm. the wedding like to keep the action going i really like that they strayed away from that and really just did yeah this enclosed at the mansion story have the wedding have it not it's not interrupted you know magneto or mesmer like no one shows up to like mess it up right. <laughs> it's just they get through it and it's really sweet and then we know that this is going to be kind of how the x family moves forward and i, I really enjoyed that and maybe that's where they're maybe that's a nod they were going for with the saber tooth scene. You know, Possibly. Like, well, we acknowledge that the supervillain's always gonna try to show up, but here we've nipped it in the bud. There you go. Yeah, it makes it a little more clever that way. And you know, of speaking of previous, you know, significant Marvel weddings, I'm really surprised no one in the book went, Hey Scott, it's almost like you've been in this exact same scenario before. <laughs> <What's>, uh... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm a Scott Summers, uh, not a hater, but uh, he's a, a side. A I'm, a, I'm a side eyer of right. Scott Summers. Yeah. He's, he's terrible to his girlfriends and wives, and, <laughs> and oh my god, for the most part, his children. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think at this point, like everyone, everyone is so on the bandwagon of, of focusing on Gene and getting them back together. Like any concept of Madeline Pryor is almost not even like brought up at all. Right at this, at this point in, in the X Men um, run, I guess is the best way to say that. But um, I wonder if that's why they're. I wonder if that was the you know in universe thought behind why we don't resurrect clones because it might make things happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, just one other. Just, you know, thing. Um, how tempted do you think Joe Rosas was to make those letters in the snow yellow? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he has a copy somewhere where he did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This one's just for Joe. Right. <laughs> also, those are really big letters for his claws. They are. They're very precise, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, they are his bone claws. So oh, that's true. They're, they're, they're a, a lot more chunkier. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And you, you do hear a schlucked. Oh, yeah. Not a, not a snick, but we do get a schlucked. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, keeping him keeping him locking step with the times. Yeah. Right. Okay. Awesome. Good. That was a very very nice uh, attention to detail on the letters part. Yeah. And see, I I should have connected that. I thought that was like the sound of the him crunching the claws in the snow, but no, that's yeah. totally yeah. totally the uh, alternative snicked. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Very good. Okay. All right. Well. What do you think of the wedding issue, X Men Thirty? What'd you What'd you grade this bad boy? I'm gonna go full six on this one. Okay, I went five again, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it for the most part. Um, yeah. yeah, I think a six is is well earned as well. So yeah, like I, I I acknowledge that there are some 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 moments where um um uh, oh what's his name our 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 penciler that we're looking at here Andy uh, Kubert Andy yeah where where some of his his weaker traits do pop up from time to time, but I think the sweetness of the story, um, yeah, yeah, covers them up pretty good. So, awesome. All right. Well, any other just kind of overall thoughts of the of the matrimony here? Um, I don't know. There, just shortly after this came out, uh, right before I stopped reading Wildcats, there is a there was a scene in Wildcats oh, where yes. Where they're Scott and Jean very obviously show up and they're not named in any way. They're on like a cruise ship a cruise or something. Ship, right. Yeah. And then like in the in the next issue's letters columns, like, hey, wasn't that Scott and Jean? And Jim Lee's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. But that was that was part of their honeymoon, I guess, before they go to the future. Yeah, they their alternate there. reality honeymoon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because that's um and I think John talked about that as that cameo uh, when he yeah. got that issue on all the pouches. So yeah, pretty um, funny. Yeah, but yeah. Th- this is. I mean, they they immediately go off in the future r- right after this. They don't even <laughs> make it all the way to their honeymoon. But yeah, that's that's a really good read. I'm 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 looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. I think the yeah. I think the art also is a is a big factor in why that story so good because it's really really unconventional art especially okay. for the early 90s it's definitely more of like it's more like in like a very cerebral indie book kind of art okay you remember who does it off the top of your head not off the top of my head no let's see Adventures. it's been like a year and a half since i read it ventures <laughs> of Psy. come on marvel and let me give me the right thing here Right, let's see who's a number one. Oh, that's a wicked looking cover. Where are the old credits here? I wish you were here. Oh, it's Gene, it's early Gene Haw. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And it sets up a lot of cool stuff for. You know, not only the Nicieza, the rest of the Nicieza run, but also for the Jeff Loeb run, which, you know, despite the fact that I don't like his run on Superman and that I don't like that he obviously don't like that he's kind of a racist. Uh, <laughs> I like I like that run on cable. So, OK, I'll have to how to revisit his Superman run. I have a little bit more favorable memory of it, but. Man, I'm super jealous of what the area you are right now in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I read more. So, I, like, obviously, I bought the death in the first couple of resurrection issues because, if nothing else, I thought it would put me through college or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I still have multiple copies. But, um, 
But I reread like the kind of the totality of all that a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and it's it's really good. Like, and it stands yeah. up really well. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely been enjoying reading your your tweets on it, and just kind of remembering that from just a couple years ago. Um, what's weird is that you know I didn't like comics in the 90s very much when I was living through when I was like a older teen and younger 20 something or in the 90s I didn't really like 90s comics and I, I read the reign of the Superman and I was totally invested in it and then I I dropped the books after that and I was kind of just kind of off of comics until around 2000 and I have really really good memories of 2000s DC the more I read of the 90s now the more <laughs> I like it the more I read of the 2000s, the less I like Oh, it. no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of that is because I'm liking the 90s so much and so much about 2000 DC is about kind of retconning and doing away or killing mm-hmm. off you know, right. second screen characters that I've become attached to. So, Right. Definitely. But, a, a move away from 90s towards more classicism, quote unquote. Right. So, which some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, right. But awesome. Well, hey. I'm so glad you got to come on. Why don't you talk a little bit more about your podcast? Sure. Uh, like we were saying at the beginning of the show, the, it's called Truth, Justice, and Hope, a Superman podcast. It's at anchor.fm slash truth, justice, and hope. And it, I cover the what I call the modern era of, of Superman family comics, beginning with Convergence and going on into Rebirth. I'm in the early issues of Rebirth now and – um, I do about two issues a episode, and I put out an issue episode every other Tuesday. So I hope you guys will check that out. And I'm also on Twitter at about Superman. And like we were just saying, I I tweet about the comics as I'm reading through them. And I'm doing my second read through of '90s Superman right now, including a bunch of other titles like it's like starting the mark wade flash and chuck dixon robin and things like that and the uh, titan stuff you which i've i've never read any of 90s titans so i've been enjoying your insight into that as well it's it's kind of terrible but i like time <laughs> <the network. laughs> i am not a marv wolfman fan at all i'm sorry um but uh and i'm also working my way through the 2000s and through new 52 and all that so you know please yeah. please give me a follow yeah, definitely. Definitely go do that. All right. Well, um, as always, for the podcast at Ghost Nick, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is that Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are at uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And one just mentioned, um, probably should have done this at the beginning in case you didn't make it this far, <laughs> but um, I did uh, a couple episodes I did have to repost. Uh, Grant, I actually brought it up uh, a few weeks ago. But I can only replicate it on in the Android service, so I couldn't mm-hmm. troubleshoot it. But then uh, a new listener, Clint Buckner, hey Clint, um, also had mentioned that it was starting to kind of be wrong on other platforms as well. Um, and so after kind of figuring out what was going on, I was able to identify the problem. So I did. Luckily, I still had the file. So I just replaced it and re-uploaded it, and it should be good now. But um, And it is. If you did, thank you. And if you did, you know, get shortchanged or be like, hey, I really wanted to hear their coverage of Inferno and it's not there, it is now. So if you want to go to the Burn, Baby Burn episode from, I think it's 465, maybe. I already forgot what episode it was. But um, it's a couple issues ago and um, that is all fixed. So thanks to Grant and Clint for identifying that and helping me give me some 
direction on what to do to try to fix it, and definitely appreciate that. 462. 462, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, Grant, as always, love having you on. Um, you know, just, you know, one of the things I love most about this incredibly long podcast journey i've been on um and just all the people i've met along the way and become good friends with and definitely consider you one of the best friends i've met in a while so well, thank thanks. you and I, um, think I feel the same awesome in my, in my short podcast journey. <laughs> awesome well so go listen to grant um you know you can listen to his current show but you can also go back and listen to some of his other shows as well. He has some Captain America and Cable stuff floating around out there. So, Sentinel of Liberty and the Cable Guide. Yep. So go check those out. And, um, and just until next time, everyone, please stay well, stay safe, um, you know, be smart, and be kind to each other. And until then, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And slurt. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>